Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Story. I have dodged being killed two times in the metro area of Washington, D.C. I attribute this to fate, luck and the fact that I am a big athletic guy, and am extremely attentive of my surroundings. I got off at a metro stop one early afternoon and hiked out to where I parked my sport. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Sports car in a more remote part of a metro lot. Two shifty guys eyeballed me as I walked by, and I intentionally turned toward them, and they spun back and walked away. I circled to my car and left, it was parked next to a green Ford. These guys killed the next person who came along, as it was a woman following me 75 yards back, and tried to take that green car. Another time, 
I was driving home from work and there's a tricky couple of short intersections to get onto the I-395. Unless you're in the correct lane at the first of three intersections, you're not getting on. I was in turning into that correct lane and a pickup truck stormed around the car behind me, and as I turned, it cut him off from that lane and he nearly hit me, but a raised median cut him off too. If the devil has a human face, and drives a Ford truck, this was him. He gave me look of hatred that cut right through me. I reached under my seat for a wrench, and he saw that motion, and it made him even madder. As I mentioned, I'm a big guy, but that man scared the crap out me. As soon as I got home, I went about telling my wife and daughter about this evil guy I saw, his actions, etc., and that he needs to be locked up, within 60 seconds, a bulletin and traffic report came on TV, reporting an accident near this entrance area, and it was this guy and vehicle. He had driven through an intersection, three more intersections away, rammed a car killing an 18-year-old girl, fled on foot and then engaged in a brief knife or gun battle with the police. Jesus Christ, thank you. Just for reference, I'm 16 at the moment, 17 in April. I lived in my old house at the time, I live in a different one right now, but the same village, just opposite sides of it. So, I live in a small village in Poland, I was, maybe, 10 or 11 at the time walking home from like a school ball thingy with my friend, whom since passed away, rest in peace, man, who was a few years older than me, like 13. My mom was cool with us walking home earlier, she was selling cookies for charity at the school ball, so she wanted to stay a bit longer. It was around May, so pretty warm out, slowly getting dark, so about 6 to 7 p.m., we're walking home, past the, at the time, only local store in the village. There's always this pack of like drunkards in front of the store, most of them were actually pretty cool people with stories to tell and they actually got kinda messed by life, so I didn't ever blame them. And there was this one guy I didn't recognize at all. He starts mumbling something towards us, I can't understand anything he's saying. Suddenly he pulls out like a small knife out of his coat and start chasing us the F down. Now, I was a pretty fat kid, I'm still chubby to this day, and I wasn't a very fast runner. My late friend however, he was what you would call a marathon runner, he grabs my hand, and we're bolting it out of there. He wasn't incredibly fast, my friend I mean, and neither was the drunk F, so we're barely outrunning him. After two solid minutes of non-stop bolting it straight for my home, we run up the stairs, I lived in an apartment complex so we had this lobby kind of thing where you had doors and those doors were entrances to people's apartments. I open my door with a key, we run inside, close the door, close the second pair of doors, my apartment was probably like 6 or 7 meters off of the ground so I never was worried about the windows, and this crazy guy comes running up the stairs, starts banging on the door about how he's going to gut us and shit. We're really scared, we grabbed weapons ourselves, bigger knives than he had, and we hid together and waited. He banged at the door for like 3 minutes. My neighbor's son came out of his apartment into the lobby, my door was literally right next to his, he was probably 17 or 18 at the time. Told him to F right off or he would kick his ass, buff dude, 
Guy got scared even with a knife. Didn't see the guy again, did never tell my mom. Clearly not a local, and clearly an asshole and a psycho. When I was a younger woman, I moved, all alone, to Atlanta for an internship. I was dirt poor so I took public transit everywhere I went. I encountered plenty of creepers on the train while I was there but I was always able to get them to back off or to sneakily escape into the crowd. On my last day, I took train to the airport. A very large man approached me in a familiar style. He was both much taller and broader than me. Dressed casually, maybe even cheaply. I followed my usual protocols, no smiling when you say no to something, holding on tight to all possessions, being ready to move or even bolt if necessary. I don't think he ever asked for me to do anything. His interest wasn't explicitly sexual or flirtatious. He just talked to me intermittently with the cool confidence of someone who thinks you're not going anywhere. I wasn't too worried, but I didn't have the usual luxury of sneaking away and catching the next train, I had to be to the airport. I got off the train. He got off the train. There was no subterfuge about this. No oh, I'm going to the airport too. At this point he was deliberately, explicitly walking with me. Still not flirting. Still not asking for anything. Not my number. Not anything. He got on the escalator with me. He closed his hand over mine on my rolling suitcase handle. I kept my grip tight on the handle thinking what the f? I should have yanked away from him but I was so surprised and scared by the weird, inexplicable move in the now familiar game of cat and mouse that I didn't react at all. I just held on tight hoping, praying that I was strong enough to keep going my own way. There were enough people around that I could make a scene if I wanted to. Looking back, not reacting to this was really stupid. But I was young and completely out of sorts. It would have been easy, under the public circumstances to say hey, get your hands off my suitcase. But I wasn't raised to be reactive slash combative like that. That wasn't a part of my instinct repertoire. He started looking around like he was trying to formulate a plan. At this point I was afraid. I don't exactly remember what happened next. There wasn't a struggle. It's like he just changed his mind and walked away. I made my flight and left Atlanta. But what the F was on his mind through the whole encounter? Why follow someone so far for no reason? Why make that specific grab? What the F was that? It wasn't the only time that I had strangers act like they knew me, but this guy didn't seem deranged or even slightly off. It was just so strange. I went on a guided cemetery tour at night. About six or seven of us were standing around a tomb listening to the story of how the inhabitant had killed himself with a gun when all of a sudden there was a big flash and the whole sky lit up green with smaller flashes. We found out later that we had witnessed a meteor breaking up. So the tour guide takes a moment, recovers from the surprise, and continues his story about how some decades after the poor chap had killed himself someone broke into his tomb and stole his skull. We then moved on, and walked further into the cemetery when we were startled by a loud bang. We shrugged it off as a car backfiring, laughed nervously at how on edge we were and continued the tour. 
Shortly after we hear a couple more bangs in quick succession, and one of the tour party commented that they were pretty sure they were gunshots. There was another bang, closer. Definitely a gunshot. Then we saw a light in between some of the headstones and I kid you not, we saw the figure of a man carrying a shotgun, slowly coming from the direction of the tomb we had just been at. We froze. I looked over to the tour guide, thinking it was some prank he plays on all his customers, but he was completely white and was backing away. It was a man with a shotgun and he was walking towards us. He lifted a flashlight and pointed it directly at us. Several of us ducked behind the headstones as he yelled, get out of here. What the hell are you doing in this place? Turns out the city council pays some guy to shoot possums in the cemetery and they forgot to warn the tour company. Something similar happened to me about five years ago. I got into a car accident, very minor, I rolled into the back of someone's car. We exchanged numbers and I went on my way. It was my brother's graduation party from the Marine Corps boot camp that night so I proceeded to get shit-faced with him and his friends at my house that night. My phone died and I had slept in until around 4 p.m. My brother woke me up and said that some guy I got into an accident with had called his phone and left a message looking for me. Weird, I couldn't figure out how the guy got my brother's phone number but it was only one digit off from mine so maybe he hit the wrong button and somehow called my brother's phone thinking it was me. Then I got a call from my girlfriend's stepmother saying that she also received a phone call from a man looking for me saying I got into an accident with him the previous day. I started to get a little creeped out because I didn't even have my girlfriend's stepmom's phone number so I had no idea how he got it. Then my uncle in Michigan called me with the same story. My uncle and I have different last names and I was living in California at the time. I legitimately started to freak out at this point, I had no clue how this guy got all their phone numbers. My grandmother messaged me on Facebook saying she got a weird phone call from some guy looking for me but he hung up when she started to ask how he got her phone number. I called the police and told them what happened and said I would like them to contact him and tell him to stop harassing my family members. I'm not sure if they ever did contact him but I told my insurance company about it and told them I wanted absolutely no contact with him. For a few months after it happened I kept getting weird phone calls from different numbers where they wouldn't say anything they would just listen for 30 to 45 seconds and hang up. It was always a different number and always happened around 10 pm at night. I never figured out if it was connected at all but it was the first time in my life I was very uneasy and felt vulnerable. I was vacationing in the Bahamas when I was 14 with some family friends. My friend and I were getting some henna tattoos at the hotel and there was this guy lingering around us, but we didn't think much of it because a lot of people would stop to see what was going on. After mine was done I told my friend and her mom I was going to go back to the room to get ready for dinner. There were two ways to the other side of the hotel, either inside through a bunch of small stores or outside along the pool. I walked through the inside and got to the elevator, where I saw the guy who had been watching us already at the elevator. We got on together and he gestured for me to choose my floor button first. I clicked it, but he didn't choose another floor. 
Alarms start going off in my head but what could I do? I was stuck in an elevator. The elevator stopped on my floor and I started walking to my room. In this hotel all the rooms faced the ocean so to the right were just windows. I was in the very last room on that floor and I could see the guy following me about 10 feet behind. About two doors from my room he ran up and grabbed me. I kicked and screamed and he dropped me onto the floor. I ran to the room and locked myself in. After talking with security and giving a description they found the guy and found out he had been attacking multiple women in the building. I never get off M elevator unless everyone else gets off first. In college, I went to Champaign, Illinois and saw Big Gigantic. Afterward, boyfriend and I stopped to get gas and I was thirsty as hell for non-venue priced beverages, so I went into the little shop while he filled up the car. It was 1am so the shop was deserted except me and the cashier, whom I greeted casually and walked to the back giant wall of refreshments. I'm staring and pondering for a while before I realize the guy has made his way over and is staring intently from a few feet away. Do I look like Jonathan Taylor Thomas? He asks. Ah. Uh, what? I answer, not entirely sharp after a concert and wondering if I missed something. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. A lot of people say I look like him. I should pause the story here to tell you that this 20 or 30 something gentleman bore zero resemblance to the preteen hunk of the 90s. This guy was pale, dark hair, kind of mushy faced with no distinctive qualities. I'd compare him to maybe a younger Lutz from 30 Rock. Anyway, I'm staring at him and getting nervous and not sure what to say. I guess? I stammer, hoping this will end the line of questioning. Oh. In what way? What? I grab a sprite because I am now getting a little freaked out and do not have the luxury of deliberating any longer. This guy has not cracked a smile and something just seems very, very off. We walk to the register and he continues. In what ways do I look like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, specifically? I, ah, uh, he's ringing me up and I'm looking through my bag for my wallet trying to think of a competent answer. In the nose? I guess? He seems relieved. That's when my boyfriend appears at the glass door and trance a few feet away. He tries to open it. It's been locked. All the blood drains out of my face and I start feeling very, very sick. He seems surprised by my boyfriend's presence and looks at me, realizing whatever he had in mind for me is no longer in the cards. Without a word he unlocks the door and I get the F out. Boyfriend is confused and I sit in the car and breathe and drink my Sprite and tell him what happened and we both shiver the rest of the way home. Was an EMT working the 4am to 4pm shift. We pick up our rig and get told to post, hang out and wait for a call, in a really shitty part of town. I parked behind this shopping center where all of the businesses had closed down due to the lack of people around that general area. It was a lot of trailer parks, really run-down apartments, and whatnot. I picked this place because the sun was going to rise in an hour or so and my partner and I both wanted to take a nap until a call came through the radio to us. My partner has no problem sleeping while sitting straight up in the front of the ambulance. I absolutely cannot do this 
So I went in the back and laid down on the bench to try and nap. The thing about our shitty old ambulance was that you couldn't open the side door from the inside. So I had to get out, go through the side door, not the very back double doors, and lay down. I left the side door a little bit cracked open for when a call came though so I could jump into the front to respond. About 5 minutes of me laying there and my I hear my partner call me. Hey dude. You awake? Yeah, what's up? That person over there has been staring at us for a while. Across the street there was a sidewalk along the side of a park. I could make out a faint shadow of a person. Knew it was someone because their cigarette butt flickered every time they took a puff. The street light was super dim but I could tell that they were there, just staring at us. It was super weird so we watched them for a bit. After about 5 more minutes of us just watching, the person walks away. We joke about how weird people are, being up at 5am roaming around some sketchy park. I lay back down and start to doze off. I wake up to my partner saying holy shit dude. So I pop my head up into the front cabin. The person was standing like 20 feet from our ambulance, dressed in all black, staring at him. Eyes locked. I look at her face and I shit you not, she looks like the girl from the ring. She had pitch black straight hair, wearing all black, very light skinned, the street light made her look like she was white as paper. My partner is absolutely terrified as they've entered some weird sort of staring match. I told him to hop over into the driver's seat and get the F out of there. He says I can't. I'm too scared to move. Shit, well I guess I have to squeeze from the back though this little ass space to get into the driver's seat. I jump up and try to get back into the front cabin. It's a tight squeeze because I'm a bigger guy, but I make it through. She apparently takes notice of me moving and starts power walking straight to us. I've never been so freaked out in my life. As she gets super close, I realize she's looking at the side door that I left a little bit cracked open. I'm thinking if I forgot to close it. I get a good look at her face. She's noticed that door and I know she's gonna try to get in. Maybe she's going try to kill me? I don't know but I have to get the F out. Her whole body is shaking as she gets closer and closer, still staring at my partner. She gets up right next to his window and just stares at us both in the eyes. I get into the front about with about one second to spare, start the ambulance, and peel the F out. We never posted there again. I have a story to share with you, which few people know about. Fortunately it has a happy ending and my sharing this experience might save some lives. The year was 1983. I was a 21 year old cute bartender who worked in a happening nightclub. I was driving home late one night at about 3am. Along I-95 in Connecticut. I was in the middle lane and it was raining terribly. I was almost out of gas but I figured I had enough to make it home. Thank goodness I was alert enough to notice a white van drive by me in the slow lane. My radar went on when I noticed the van drive past me and the driver hid his face from my view. The vehicle looked shady and it had a New York license plate. I was very aware of this van and I noticed during the drive home that the driver had maneuvered his vehicle behind mine and was maintaining a distance. As I got off the exit to get home, 
I watched in my rear view mirror as the white van also exited a distance behind. I was freaking out because I was almost out of gas and my house was approaching. I didn't want to stop because I knew I was in danger and I didn't want him to know where I lived. I drove past my house and decided to take a right hand turn to see if he would follow. Sure enough, I could see the van's headlights make the same right turn. I drove past the local convenience store, hoping that a police officer would be parked there. The area was dark and deserted. I chose to drive to the local police station which was about 7 miles away. I remember the terror I felt during that long drive. It was 3.30 am, pouring rain, my gas tank is on E and the town was deserted and cell phones weren't invented yet. This white van followed me through several neighborhoods. I took a right hand turn onto the road where the police station was and he continued to follow me. I parked my car in front of the police station and ran inside. I noticed the white van speed away. I remember that when I ran up to the policeman to tell him what happened, I was paralyzed and couldn't speak. I think that is the only time in my life where I couldn't talk due to terror. So that's the happy ending, I made it to the police station. My car didn't run out of gas. Perhaps the lesson in this story is preparedness. Always be aware of what's going on around you and make sure you have enough gas and cell phone power when driving, especially at night. To set the scene me and my buddy were driving along on a weekend night with some girls we picked up. My buddy is driving, I'm in the passenger seat and the girls are in the back. We were bored as f and somehow the topic of scary shit popped up. Where I live, there is a certain road tucked away in the back of the woods that follows close to some train tracks. It's extremely dark and infamous for a plethora of spooky shit, mostly stories about ghosts, but also stories of people being raped, beaten, and murdered back on that road. So me and my buddy, being the brave manly men that we were, proposed we go there. They agreed. So we arrive at the beginning of the road and slowly make our way through the dark and foggy road in the dead of night. We drove about 15 minutes till we reached the end of the road, which led to the start of a more populated road. We weren't impressed so we decided to go back through it, but this time, do something a little different. So we circle back, drive through the road again and about halfway through my buddy decided to turn the car off, and shut the lights off. We sat in silence for about 10 minutes, hearing distant melodic sounds, that seemed to be coming from all directions, the fog was thick, but we could still make out at least 15 feet in front of us. Me and my buddy are grinning ear from ear because the girls are getting super antsy and scared, until we all hear a boom. All the windows fog up immediately. We couldn't see shit anymore, like condensation on the glass. The girls start screaming and me and my buddy were like alright, let's get the F out of here. He turns the car on and peels out, trying to make his way through the fog and smoked windows. Eventually we get to the end, but this time. The exit was blocked by a fallen tree. Which scared us at the time, but didn't think much of it. We turned around and got out of there. Fast forward 5 years and one of my co-workers was talking about that road. He ended up saying how one time his buddies, him and all of their girlfriends were there four-wheeling, 
His buddy ended up going off alone into a wooded area only to return later without the quad and running for his life screaming Bloody Mary. They took no time to find out the situation and hauled ass to get the F out, only to find out the exit was blocked by a fallen tree. He looked it up, and turns out someone was killed back there after being trapped in by trees blocking the road, I never took the time to verify what he looked up, maybe because I'm scared of what might have happened that night if it's true, or maybe I don't want to find out it wasn't true and my buddy just pulled a fast one. I still won't forget that night though. Edit. Some extra story to go along with this. The particular road is pretty infamous, popular for ghost stories. One famous story is it's told that an albino lives somewhere off the road, glowing red eyes and all. I've heard it's a cannibal I heard he's friendly until he invites you in for his homemade moonshine, either way, you probably wouldn't want to find out. When I was about 14, in the late 90s, I was spending the night at my then best friend's house. As idiot teenagers, we were home alone and messing with random strangers on America Online. Nothing mean, just saying whacked out stuff like I have little people coming out of my toes. Yes, we were morons. We thought it was good fun and was enjoying the fact that people found it so annoying. We were in a local chat room and talking to a guy in the next town over. My friend was a bit of a dumbass when it came to online safety and apparently had her home phone number on her AOL profile. A couple hours later after talking to a random dude and him getting pissed at the whacked out stuff we were saying and our refusal to meet up, we were still home alone and it was late. All of the sudden, a car rolled into the driveway and cut the lights and just sat there. We thought it might be her mom and was getting ready to open the door when my friend Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hesitated and realized it wasn't. We then tiptoed from the front living room window to her bedroom. In the bedroom, we were at the window when all of a sudden, this giant head and shoulders silhouette appear two inches in front of us and starts pounding and yelling, open up bitch. We completely freak and run to the bathroom as we hear this guy circling the house, pounding on the back door and continuously going around. We want to call the police, but to get to the house phone, we have to go past the living room where the curtains are wide open. We make a run for it only to realize we never disconnected from AOL and the computer is on the other side of the house and we cannot call while connected to the internet. Eventually, after about an hour, or what felt like it, 
The guy leaves and we call the cops. They found footprints in the backyard but nothing else. I am fairly certain we screwed with the wrong person online and the guy traced my friend's home phone number to her house. Luckily, he never came back. To this day, as a 30-year-old woman, I am uneasy to be home alone at night. Don't mess with strangers on the internet, folks. Went to a small rural college. My first year, I met two girls that I will never forget. They were fairly nice, and I quickly struck up a friendship with them. I never felt physically on danger, but what I learned about them over the course of the next three months freaked me the hell out. They never knew each other before college, so I guess crazy just attracts crazy. After about a month, I discovered that girl number one was under investigation in the disappearance of her stepmother. Her whole family suspected that she was involved. She constantly would tell people about the investigation, and nobody believed a word she said. And she would say weird things, like, the police seem to think she's dead, but I can't figure out how they know that. Ha ha. Uuke wacko. Guess who is not allowed in my dormitory? As the semester went on, she started to do more and more poorly in classes, and started dropping them, down to I think two classes. Nobody ever really figured out what was going on for certain, and the professors refused to comment, if they knew. The best we could figure was the pressure and stress of the investigation was getting to her as more and more focus was put on her. And her girl too. All three of us had known each other since the beginning of the semester, so we were all well acquainted. As time progresses, she began to indicate that she liked me, but not in the on-purpose way. I wasn't interested, because these girls were basically joined at the hip, and I had figured out how crazy girl one was, and was trying to gracefully extricated myself from the situation. Girl two was pretty obsessive, finding out my movements by following me to class in her spare time and reverse engineering the rest of my schedule. She'd randomly show up in my classes that she wasn't a part of just to say hi. She always attended my music recitals, quietly hiding in the back rows. She would gain access to my dorm during non-open hours which was out of the norm since they were strictly separated along gender lines, Christian school. Love notes on my stereotypical dry erase board. It got to the point where security wouldn't let her in, and when she did get in the building, my floormates would kick her out. Eventually she got so emotional or threatened, or something about not being able to have 24-7 access to me that she made up a boyfriend and would flaunt that to try and say look at what you're missing Mojo's Jojo. A little unintentional snooping later, I clicked on a Facebook post and ended up on her page, and discovered something weird, only then investigating, and I discovered her boyfriend was totally made up. Yeah Mojo's Jojo, you say that like it's surprising. I agree it's not. What's surprising is the lengths she went to give him an online presence. Fake Facebook account, her as his only friend, zero activity that didn't pertain to her, recently created account with no post history before she got locked out of my dorm, complete with profile pic that was actually her cousin standing next to her. Twitter profile that dead ended into tweets about events that I attended, and knew he most definitely did not, a Steam account I discovered when he friended me, but it had nothing on it. Weird shit. 
I finally had to go to our dean and spill all the beans, and she got told not to go near me. I got told to not go near her, no problem there, and that I should consider getting a restraining order now, and definitely if the stalking continued. It didn't, thank God. Re-enter girl 1, although she never really left. All that was happening simultaneously. Girl 1 had a secret crush on me, but let girl 2 make her attempts in what I can only assume was some secret bitch war where they loved each other to their face, but hated each other secretly. I hear about this crush when girl 1 says now that girl 2 isn't an option, I just want you to know I'm available. Wow. Okay, um, no. Too terrified with the sense that I was going to be the murderous victim of dramatic irony, I deflected the conversation. Girl 1 noticed, and was displeased. Girls 1 and 2 both proceeded to fight openly over me, despite the fact that they both knew I wasn't interested. Hate mail appeared on their dry erase boards outside Girl 1's room, revelations that she wrote it herself and blamed Girl 2 appeared. Girl 2 mailed Girl 1, highly allergic to peanuts, circus peanuts and a bag of peanuts. Weird shit. Then Girl 2 disappeared. And search and rescue team went out, and an investigation was filed. Girl 1 was a lead suspect. She didn't return to school the next semester, and I don't want to know why. I used to live in a rented house that, along with my neighbors, sat across the street from a fairly bustling city park. At night, when the park was deserted, I would walk out my front door and sit on my porch and look at the trees and the stars. One night, around 1 AM, I opened the front door and started to sit down. That's when I saw a man standing in the deserted park. He was directly in front of my house. The man was dressed all in black and was wearing a Halloween skull mask. The mask seemed fairly intricate, but was most definitely a store-bought cheapo. The sight of this guy sent a chill down my spine. He didn't move at all although I know he saw me. The entire neighborhood was silent and still and we just paused there holding our ground. We watched each other for a long time and then he sauntered away. I ended up calling the cops because I figured this guy was casing the neighborhood. Cops came, took my statement. Nothing ever came of it. Couple of months later, I'm doing some yard work around the side of my house. I'm pulling a huge tangle of weeds out from a thicket underneath my kitchen window. I see something that looks like trash, pick it up, it's the mask I saw that night. I was in Sun Valley Mall in Pleasant Hill, California in 1984 with my, then, wife and new baby son. I was looking in the window of a men's store on one end of the mall a few hundred yards from J.C. Penney's. When I turned around an Asian guy and a white guy were way too close to my wife and son and she looked a little scared. She was a tiny woman with a new baby. I overreacted a bit when I went over and was pretty hostile. The white guy looked at me, then gestured at my wife, and said to the Asian guy, Miranda? The Asian guy looked at me and how angry I already was and said to the other, no. Then both turned and walked out of the mall without saying anything else. A couple months later there were pictures of Charles Ng, 
and Leonard Lake all over the Bay Area. To this day, I'm convinced that if I would not have been there, she and Nordstadt Jr. would have been killed. When I was 15, I frequently missed the bus home and had to walk about two hours through a field that was level for a time, but turned into rocky hills and small valleys where you couldn't see the bordering roads in front or behind you. One day, I was about halfway through when I hear something behind me. It was a man on a bicycle, wearing those short Adidas shorts that were popular in the early 80s. He lifted his shorts on one side and exposed his penis. He fixed his gaze on me in a way that was terrifying, and he said wanna have some fun? I knew from his expression and tone that this was not a question. I started to run as fast as I could. I was zigzagging over big rocks and little rocks and I could hear him laughing and biking behind me and I could tell he was getting closer and closer. Finally, I could not run anymore. My breathing was so labored and it felt like my throat was on fire. My legs were shaking and I knew I couldn't go on. Realizing I had to face him, I closed my eyes for a brief second and hoarsely whispered to myself crash. And imagined him hitting a rock, which threw him over the handlebars, and head first into a tree. I whipped around, and started scanning the ground for rocks or sticks that I could use to defend myself, but before I could find one, I saw him hit a rock, propel over his handlebars, and fly head first into a tree. It was only a few seconds, but a feeling of relief washed over me, and instantly, I could run and breathe again. I started to run, frequently looking back, but he was still at the base of the tree, bloodied and not moving. Police checked the area and didn't find him, but did find the crash site and took samples of his blood. But I never heard anything about it again. Never missed the bus again, ever. Also, took self-defense classes for years. A few years ago, I lived with my brother. I was 22, he was 29. One day I got home, and was the first one home. I go upstairs and take a brief nap, maybe 30 minutes. I wake up from hearing some general commotion downstairs. I change clothes, watch a little TV, all the while assuming it's my brother. I hear him come up the stairs halfway, pause about 10 seconds, then go back downstairs. I thought it odd, and so I decide to go down there and see what's up. As I stand up, I look out the window to him pulling in the driveway. I go into what the F mode, and go into my closet where I had my hunting shotgun, and look for shells, but I couldn't find any quick. At this point I hear my brother walk in the front door, and I decide to just go down with an empty gun. As I hit the bottom of the steps, he sees and hears me clamoring, and his face just goes WTF and he yells out front. So we both run out front, but don't see anyone running away. He runs back in to get himself a gun, and shells for me, and we search the property, together no Scooby-Doo bullshit, and find nothing. Turns out when he walked in the house, he walked past the basement door and someone came up right after he walked by and they booked it out the front door. When he saw me bounding down the stairs with a gun in my hands, he immediately knew what was up. Freaked us both out, but nothing was missing.
So you know how when you look into a dark window or door or hallway you think you see a face or person. Well when I was younger, I think 12, my room was upstairs and had the window that would reflect all the shadows of what's outside into the opposing wall. I never wanted to stare out the window so I out my bed against that wall so that I could look at the shadows and know if anything is there. Mind plays tricks and it always thinks something weird is up. My parents always would say to stop waking them up because no one is going to be floating 30 feet up. So one time I really thought the shadow looked like a head, but I didn't want to look back slash up. I finally did and there was a dark face staring right into my room. I freak out and run to tell my parents, after convincing them it's not a false alarm they go and see there's nothing outside the window. The next meeting when we are leaving for school we realize there's a giant ladder, not ours, propped up against the side of our house right at my window. There was actually someone there looking at me or in my room. We bewied a big ass fence and I switched rooms. I'll still never forget those eyes staring right at me. My best friend growing up and I are 99% sure we were incredibly close to being kidnapped. She used to live right next door to the park and I went to her house every day after school until my mom got out of work. So as fourth graders do, we spent a lot of time outside and since her mom could see us from their living room window, we could play with a bunch of our friends at the park all the time. We were especially good friends with a second grader named Savannah and we played with her almost every day. Well one day Savannah's babysitter's boyfriend came to the park looking for her, which wasn't really unusual. Usually her actual babysitter was there but she wasn't and the guy said that she had sent him to take Savannah to get ice cream and go home. It was end of the school year, starting to get hot, and Savannah asked if we could come too. He said yes. So we raced to go ask my best friend's mom if we could go with our friend to get ice cream and the answer was a resounding no, but we were handed some cash for when the lemonade truck came by. When we got back to the park, we told Savannah we couldn't go and we'd see her tomorrow. But it turns out we wouldn't. He did some awful things to her and left her body in the woods in another city. The days between her disappearance and him confessing and leading police to her were confusing and difficult. Kids were escorted in the halls to other classes so they could see that their friends were still there. We also planted a butterfly garden in her memory that year. It wasn't scary in the moment, but hindsight is terrifying. Would we have ended up with her? If we went, would she be safe at home, graduating high school this year? The possibilities are endless and very scary. Also my state has a website where you can check people's public records at any time and I check his every couple months because I dare him to appeal. I'll start the counter case before he even tells anyone he decided to appeal. Humphrey. One time I was driving home from a friend's house over winter break a few years ago. It was really late at night, about 2.30 a.m. I decided to go on the back road to my house because it's a little faster and about 7 less miles than the highway. This particular road I was on, after midday traffic isn't a real popular road at all, except for those who live on it. Well while driving, I took a big turn, I noticed one vehicle coming the opposite direction, and one in front of me. Strange, 
but nothing out of the ordinary. I passed the car going the opposite direction and it was a white van. I got behind the car in front of me, which was a truck. As soon as I got behind the truck, the van stopped and quickly turned around. From that point on for about two miles the truck went really slow while the van rode my ass the entire way. I was scared shitless. Why did a van immediately stop going one way and turn around to go behind me, especially that late at night? Both the truck and the van slammed on their brakes when we got to a part of the road without any street lights, and I managed to barely squeeze through both cars stopping and raced home. I was going 75 miles per hour on a road that has a 30 miles per hour limit. I never felt so afraid in my life. I called the cops after and told them the licensee plate number and description of the truck in front of me. Took me months to be able to go down that road again. I was driving to my girlfriend's house one Saturday night. She lives in a sleepy little town outside of Boston, and it takes about 20 to 30 minutes of back roads to get there. Once I got off the highway, a car pulled out of a gas station and was tailgating me, flashing its lights. I couldn't tell how many people were in the car, but I figured my lights were off or something was wrong with my car. While the car was behind me, I checked the controls of my car to make sure everything was working properly, and it was. I started to get very nervous. Of course, my stupid iPhone was dead at this point, which increased my anxiety 1000x. I was unfamiliar with the area, and I took a random right to see if the car would follow. It did. I took a random left to get back to the main road, and the car followed again. I was pretty close to my girlfriend's house but I was afraid to lead whoever this person was to her address so I kept driving past her house. There was an elementary school by her house and I drove as fast I could around a corner and turned my lights off in the right of the parking lot, hidden behind the corner of school. The car followed me into the parking lot, but went left. Realizing being in a dark school was not a good idea, I drove back to the entrance and in my rear view I saw the car drive over a curb and over a baseball field back to get towards me. I had a head start and took another random turn down a street and went all the way to the bottom and turned my car off. No street lights or brake lights. The car stopped at the top of the street for a second, did a 180, and sped off. I have no idea what the F that was about. I was about 12 to 13, and one summer day my cousin, our friend and I were all hanging out. Well, it's about 4 to 5 p.m. and our friend starts freaking out, saying she only has 10 minutes to get home, she was about 17, I was the youngest, or her mom would kill her. So her and my cousin take off, I'm straggling behind, and always being that friend, the one that seems less important, the one who is invited last or not at all. The one who walks behind the group if the sidewalk isn't big enough, they're way ahead of me, so far I'm losing sight of them. We go up this back way, behind a grocery store through a semi-wooded area, just barely covered, but covered enough that the kids from the high school would smoke and drink there, and I'm walking this path, and I see a guy come out from the bushes, look at me, and head back in them. I immediately think goddamn, this guy is gonna try to do something bad to me, 
I just know it and I start picking up my speed. I pass where he is, and I see him standing there, pants down, full heart on, just smiling at me. I took off running and finally caught up with the group, told them, and all they did was laugh at me and talk about how this friend, more of a frenemy to my cousin and I, kept around for amusement, will hopefully not get in trouble as I was almost raped possibly. So yeah, that was the first time I saw a penis in real life, and it was freaky as hell. I was in uni in London and it was around 9 pm. I was meant to meet a friend but he was running late so I decided to go to our computer lab and play some games on my laptop. We have semi-private labs for the class that you need ID cards for and in the evening almost no one is there. I had Bad Company 2 installed on my Dell 1550 studio so I was good to go. But it was actually quite busy in there that night and would have disturbed the other people. That's fine, I'll go to the big auditorium instead. Definitely no classes and there's Wi-Fi. So these labs and the auditorium are in the basement of the school. The lab doors are all connected to the main hall but the auditorium is through an extra door. So you go in from the hallway, into a little sub-hallway and then the next door is the auditorium. So I go through the first door into semi-darkness and then open the auditorium door. I know where the light is and two meters in. I take a step in and about a meter in front of me is someone in an argyle sweater, facing away from me, mumbling. I don't know why that person was there or what reason. They didn't respond to me opening the door or the light coming into the room, it wasn't someone on their phone. It was just someone in a sweating facing the class mumbling. I backed out of the room then run for it back to the busy lab. I'm a 24-year-old girl and I've had a few stalkers and odd people follow me about, through my customer-facing job. The creepiest one turned out to be a girl I knew at school and reconnected with over Facebook. So, I see Jane, not her real name, had friend requested me and although she was a little strange in school I saw no harm in adding her. She seemed so sad, depressed, despondent about life and generally really run down. I felt so sorry for her, I just wanted to boost her confidence a little. She was clingy, desperate for love and affection and would often say things like she'd kill herself and stop replying to my messages to get me to worry about her. She became very keen to see me and although I wanted to something about it just felt very off. I could feel I was being emotionally manipulated and pressured. I made an excuse the first time. Soon after she starts commenting on my statuses if I've had a good day, or hung out with friends. Her comments were always passive-aggressive and having a go at me or other friends. I asked her to stop in the gentlest way I could but that only fueled the fire and she began to get more aggressive towards herself and me. When I found out she'd started going through my contacts list and adding people, asking them about me I knew it was time to cut ties. I asked her to stop contacting me and naturally got a bunch of self-harm threats back. I went to the police saying I feared for her welfare, I wish I never had. The next day I woke up to messages, about 40 or so and 15 missed calls and 4 voicemails. The voicemails creeped me out the most, pleading, begging and crying followed by another that was almost silent except for a few, please call me's.
I blocked her by now but some friends could still see her profile and she was posting increasing negative things about a person in her life. She began asking people if they'd used websites to get personal information from and which she should use. Several close friends called me telling me she was after my address and had been trying to manipulate them into giving it, lying about why she wanted it. My house phone, which she never had also started getting calls at odd hours of the day from withheld numbers. They were always connected but silent calls but you could hear background noise on the other end. We started screening those. All the while I'm still getting aggressive messages, phone calls and voicemails. I was afraid to listen to the messages by now so I had a friend do it for me. Apparently they were hysterical or creepily calm and calculating. I had to go to the police and they said they would visit her and give a cease and desist order. It made no difference. I ended up with a panic alarm issued from work, they had her description and I had to be accompanied to my car at night. She'd made threats of coming to my workplace to speak to me. It all came to a head when one day this bundle of flowers arrives. I thought they were for my long distance partner but when I opened the card up I realized she'd paid for my address online and had started sending me stuff in the post. I called the police again and moved into a friend's house for three months. When she called again my dad, who'd lost his temper at this point gave our silent caller an earful and told her that she'd forced me out of my own home and there was no point coming around here now. He said the anguished cry he got on the other end chilled him. I have never been so scared for my own safety, luckily she stope after the last restraining order and I live somewhere else now but sometimes I wonder if one day she'll try and reach out again.